you have your Bibles, join me, please, in Romans 3.23, Romans 5.23, and Romans 6.23. Show a brief clip here. Most of us remember that day. It's etched in our minds permanent reminder of tragedy. We all watched helplessly as lives were lost, heroes were born, and a nation was forever changed. The loss was unimaginable, the sorrow unbearable, but through that pain we witnessed the resolve of a nation. We saw chaos give birth to courage. Fear transform into fortitude, and destruction give way to determination. In the midst of the brokenness, freedom stood immovable. Today, we remember those we lost. We honor the heroes who saved so many, and grieve with the families who have suffered so much. We still remember, and we will never forget. That was a Tuesday, and if I remember right, um, <clears throat> I was at the, the school called me and asked if I could fill in for a sick teacher. So I was at the school that day, and uh, about 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, maybe 9.30, 10 o'clock, uh, the principal came over the intercom saying that one building had been hit, and then, of course, the second, and then it kind of unfolded from there. Um, <clears throat> that was evil. That was evilness on display. And maybe in conjunction with that, although I don't want to make light of that, uh, over 4,000 people died in that attack. And there were some heroes, but the bottom line is that evil is in our world, and that is a result, ultimately, of the fall of man. Now, we've been looking at a series uh, which was cut short last Sunday, obviously, but the first sermon we looked at was truth. Jesus Christ is the truth, and he is the only way to God. In the next sermon series, we focused on creation, that God created the universe, everything that we see, the stars, the moon, the planets, earth, and then created man last once everything was in place. There was an order to creation. Everything had to be in place before man was created. Then we talked about human dignity. Human dignity meaning that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator, and therefore life is precious. This, the last Sunday that we were together, <clears throat> at least as I was preaching, <clears throat> God created marriage and the ultimate purpose of marriage, one man, one woman for life, and the ultimate purpose was to reflect the holiness of God. So we approach marriage 
with sanctity and with holiness. So today we're going to talk about something that is a plague on mankind. It has been a plague on mankind. And in verse 23, Romans 3.23, we learn that all are guilty of sin. And Paul writes this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, just a quick overview, uh, Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is putting everybody under the umbrella of condemnation. That is, the Jews are guilty of sin, the Gentiles are guilty of sin, and then we come to verse 23 where we read, for all have sinned. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Greek, bond or free, you are all guilty of sin. And this word uh, for all, of course, for is explanatory of what went before it. And we just talked about that. Harmontio, harmontio, have sinned. The root means to act contrary to the will. I'm just reading right from the Greek language. To act contrary to the will and the law of God. To engage in wrongdoing. And we talk about this. When we talk about sin, and we talk about that everybody is guilty, it is an inherited sin. It is something that happened uh, and has affected mankind throughout time. When we look at the scriptures, we find, uh, particularly here in Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother did conceive me. There is something within the nature of humanity by which the fall of Adam and Eve, and we'll get into that in a minute, but that fall caused all kinds of problems for mankind. So even though life is precious and life is beautiful, at the same time, every person that is born in this world is born a sinner. We have the original sin nature within us. We look at Psalm 58. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth. And I know most people look at that and they go, the wicked are those who are like 9-11. No, the wicked pertains to any person that is born. Any person that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, does not have a friendship with God through Jesus Christ, is considered in God's eyes wicked. And you think, well, that's kind of harsh. Well, that's the reality. Sin is wickedness, and any sin is wickedness before God. Ecclesiastes 7.2, um, I'm sorry, 7.20, <clears throat> King Solomon writes this, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. The problem is, as wonderful as the creation was, when man decided to go his own way and her own way, it left humanity with a major problem. We could get into a lot of different subjects here, such as uh, birth defects and things like that. But ultimately, the issue here is that all have sinned. Everybody is guilty of sin. So when we talk about good people, which there are good people, <clears throat> good people do not always make the right decision. There's a lot of good people that do a lot of good things for humanity. Uh, 
They give millions of dollars to help feed the homeless. They do all kinds of good work for hospitals. They donate money to hospital buildings. Those are good works. Those are good things. But those same people who do not know Jesus Christ still have the original sin nature. Something has to be done with that sin nature. And, you know, I, I totally get it. Well, see, you can't call that person wicked or you can't call that person sinful because they do so many good things. But the problem is that all have sinned. Every person, all humanity is guilty of sin. And as believers, when we look at our worldview, we have to realize that even the goodness of the world is as filthy rags before a holy God. And so we have to look at humanity as we live our lives. We have to look at humanity from God's perspective. God's perspective is that when man fell, everything changed. And there's a big problem. That's why we have 9-11. That's why we have that shooter, and I, I kind of lost track of it, in Memphis that was going around killing people and FaceTiming it to the police. That's why we have these kinds of events. Somebody goes into a McDonald's and sprays. That's why we have it, because humanity has a sin problem. Paul, or Paul says here, for all have sinned. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. What God sees, and you may have a next-door neighbor that's a great person, that's wonderful, uh, but if that person does not know Jesus Christ, they are lost and they are in bondage to sin. God sees things black and white. On one end, you are either unsaved, lost, and sinful, or you are saved and have the redeeming Holy Spirit living in you in a relationship with God. It's that simple. And yet sometimes we like to pollute the gospel, but the gospel is very simple. You need Jesus Christ to redeem you of your sin and bring you into a relationship with himself. And I, I totally get it. A lot of people think, well, there's a lot of good people. The question is, what has been done with the sin? Now, he writes here, For all have sinned and fall short. Hustero. Hustero. Which means, fail to attain a particular state. So it's something that, uh, if you could picture it this way, you have a, a target, and you have a bow and arrow, and the goal of the archer is to hit that center spot. He'll pull the arrow back, and when I was in eighth grade, I couldn't really hit it. It was flying all over. They were ducking. <laughs> but the goal, to be perfect, you have to hit that center every time. And there's nobody that can do that. In fact, prior to Jesus Christ, there was nobody that has ever done it. Therefore, we have this problem. We fall short. We fail to attain a state or a condition. What is the state? Paul gives us what the state is. The glory of God, the doxa, the splendor, the majesty. None of us are perfect. None of us. And that, is, that includes the redeemed body of Christ. 
We are still sinners. The difference is we are sinners saved by his grace. And that's, that can be eye-opening. We should give each other a little wiggle room. We're, we're redeemed by the blood of Christ, but we still live in this fallen nature. So the point being here that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God means that every person that has ever been born is a sinner. No matter how good they are, no matter how gracious they are, uh, my goodness, I've met a lot of good people. But if you're around them long enough, you're going to find their flaws. You're going to find what gets them. Uh, amazing. Good people. Listen to this, please. Good people do not get into heaven. Only redeemed people by the blood of Christ get into heaven. And so, where did all this come from? I've been dropping bombs all over the place. But now let's look at the origin. If you would join me in Romans 5.12, it's just two chapters over. And we see here, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. So the context here in Romans chapter 5 is death in Adam, life in Christ. So if you want to just write that down somewhere, death in Adam, life in Christ. Therefore, just as sin, harmatia, harmatia means to engage in wrongdoing. It's closely associated with all have sinned, which is also associated with sinning or wrongdoing, or doing what is contrary to the law of God. So when we're out there this week, you can understand why the world does what it does. Because they have a sin problem. So it came in the world through one man. Let's, let's do a quick review here. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God made everything perfect. It was beautiful. He said, of any tree you may eat, but not of a tree of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you will be like me, and you will know what is good and what is bad. And so what happened was Satan came along, tempted Eve. Well, God surely knows that you'll be like him, and look how beautiful this apple is. Eve took it. She gave it to Adam. He ate. They ate. And they realized at that moment, that they were naked and they needed and they hid from God when he came along. That is the starting point. So we're, we're going through Ken Ham's series and he takes it back to Genesis. If you want to know why people are guilty of sin, it refers back to this. This is the default. Genesis chapter 3 is that it's, it happened there somehow. And I don't think any scholar can ever really put it all together and make it work. But... Uh, somehow the sin nature at that point became inherited in each person. And of course, this is when death entered into the world. You, your days may be long, they may be short, but eventually you will, you will pass. And I know uh, Queen Elizabeth died uh, the other day and the world is is talking about her death and particularly two days before she died she was still greeting people and but of course she died 
and I think her funeral is on the 19th, and uh, one of the longest reigning monarchs in modern history, 70 years. I think it's been 1,500 years since any monarch, at least uh, what I've been reading and understand. And, 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 and even though she was the queen and supposedly the head of the Church of England, she knew that she was a sinner saved by the grace of Christ. She had several conversations with Billy Graham when he was a young evangelist and uh, made a profound impact on her and on her life. And so, uh, and I know Great Britain is mourning. Uh, I remember in 1987, we got to see the changing of the guard in England and I've got pictures of me and the girls up on the statue and uh, very fascinating time. Audrey got to talk with a beef eater, uh, the, the beef eaters, and then one of the young kids, which was the guard to uh, Buckingham Palace, Audrey said he can't be 21, and he goes, I'm 19. They're not even supposed to talk, but they did. So, but the fact is that this event changed the world. This event brought sin into the world, which was not originally God's design. God's design was that we would live in perfect unity with him. The fact that you are wearing clothes today is a reminder of how we have covered our sin. And originally, we weren't supposed to have clothes, but we have clothes today as a reminder. Robert Mounts writes this, The original intention was that people reflect the glory of God, Genesis 1.26. By eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve sacrificed their relationship to God and determined the essential nature of everyone born into the human race. When we talk about DNA, scientists have now learned that DNA can be traced back to one single source. Duh. Every person goes back to Adam and Eve. And death through sin... And so death, this is still in uh, 5.12, and death through sin, and so sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Thanatos, the word for death, means the process of dying. Listen, every one of us in this room today and those that are watching uh, by Facebook, uh, whatever other means we have out there, you are all dying. We are all dying. The good news is we're saved. Those of you that have trusted in Christ, death has no fear for us. Death has no sting. We have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, but yet we are dying. And unless Jesus comes back, everybody that's listening to this sermon today at some point in your life will pass. But for us, there's a different passing. Isn't that right, Joyce? There is a different passing. And I've witnessed many times Christians who have died and I've been by their bedside and, and seen wonderful things that only God can do. And we don't have to fear that. But the fact is, death has now spread through all men because all men have sinned. Paul, notice Paul's here closing off any avenue by which you can avoid the cross and get to heaven. He says, death, death is a sure sign that all have sinned because everything ages 
and it changes and we look at Adam what happened to Adam and Eve after that event God set them outside the garden of, uh, of Eden and said you cannot come back in and then we learn Adam died spiritually in Genesis chapter 3 and he died physically in Genesis 5-5 at 930 years old. The fact is, Adam did die, and it was a result of his sin. So, all are guilty, it's inherited. All are guilty, we have an, we have an issue, a, a problem where we cannot reach the glory of God. None of us can get to a state of sinless perfection. None of us can claim on our own that we merit heaven based on my deeds because even our deeds are as filthy rags before him. We have death now because of Adam and Eve's sin. We now have death, and so we have a major, major problem. But for every major problem with humanity, God has a solution. God has a solution. We do have a choice. If you'll join me now in Romans 6.23, we do have a choice. By the way, this is probably the apex of this sermon this morning because we've just painted the landscape that everybody's guilty of sin and that leaves them in a precarious situation. How do we get out of that situation to where we become in a right relationship with God. And now we're getting, this should be, this should be something that we talk about with our unsaved friends. Uh, I'm working on, uh, I think God has put a particular individual in my life right now in which I am going to be witnessing to that individual. Uh, we've, made friend, we've made friendship through uh, the Champaign-Urbana Astrological Society. We were out looking at stars the other night and so he said, hey, if you want to play golf, we can go out and play golf. Audrey told me you need to get out there quickly with him. So it's not a fake friendship. We both have something that we like, but uh, he's such a nice guy, so friendly. I think I do have an opportunity there. And there's another guy in the, in the, in the group that I'll be keeping an eye on that I can build bridges with and maybe be able at some point to share the gospel and invite them to church. Listen, listen. You don't have to start with the church. Just start by building relationships with lost people. The only thing you got to be careful of is that you don't indulge with the lost people. You build relationships. Don't throw Jesus Christ out there right off the bat unless they want to talk about it. You build friendships, not fake friendships. You build friendships, and you build those friendships because you care about people. Everybody in this room should, I would encourage you to build a relationship with one lost person. Not a fake one, but a real one. Because we love these people. People are sinners. We need to love them. And we need to care about them. Now, we do have a choice. And we look at death here. For the wages of sin, this is, this is stuff you all already know but it's worth, re worth repeating. For the wages of sin is death. Wages, hopsonion, hopsonion, which means the end result of somebody's activity. 
obviously in this case it does refer to monetary value um, it, reply, it, it, it applies to a work-labor relationship in the way Paul is using it. Uh, whether you work in a factory, you, you work the hours, and at the end of the week or two weeks, your company will give you a paycheck. That is a wage that is earned. Uh, I remember when I graduated high school, I went to work on the assembly line for Chrysler in Merritt Island. And uh, it's, it's not as easy as you think it is. Uh, I, I, uh, it, we, we practiced. We had a month-long practice. My job was to take, I had wires around my neck, and my job was to wire the headlights. And I thankfully I didn't have to put tape on, and they had a mark this is where my area started and this is where it ended and the goal for eight hours was to wrap grab wrap and I'm telling you the first month the line was stopped a bunch <laughs> because people were like way over I said hey get out of my space <laughs> you're in my space you're too slow no I didn't say that but uh, but we eventually got to where we were able to do it pretty fast. And this was back in 1977, 1978. I was making pretty good money just out of high school and then of course eventually went in the army. But I got paid. I got paid a paycheck which was my wages. For the wages, the rewards that you get, based on what you did is at the end of it. Whether you're in an office, whether you work for just any, anything that you do, you are working to earn that wage. You get that money at the end of the two week or a week or once a month, however your boss pays you or uh, whatever your, your retirement is, you're, you're gonna receive a wage and that will be wages given to you based on your work. Well, Paul says here, for the wages of sin. We've seen that word before, harmatia, to act contrary to God's will. This is where everybody is guilty. Every person within the sound of my voice and every person that you come into contact with that is not saved is working for sin. And there will be a payoff someday. There will be a payoff. Like I said before, there's a lot of good people in this world. And uh, my friend, I don't know where he is spiritually, um, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out in a, in a nice way. And with the other guy, I'm going to find out. But the fact is, that every person outside of Christ is working for sin. No matter how good they are, no matter how many good things they do, and I'm glad that they do, I'm glad that they feed the homeless, and I'm glad that they contribute to hospitals, and I'm glad that they, uh, they do these things, but those things are not going to get them into heaven. For the wages of sin is death, thanatos, 
That's the process of dying. This here, unlike what we just looked at in 5.12, this here is a reference to a spiritual death. 5.12 just says death passed through all and then all died because all sinned. That was a physical death. Paul brings into the equation here a spiritual death. This is a separating death. So each person, each lost person would die twice. First they die physically, then they die spiritually. And the spiritual death is separation from God for all eternity. Think, think about that for a moment. How badly should we want unsaved people to know Christ? Can you imagine being separated? I once heard a pastor say there are no atheists in hell. And I would probably agree with that. Jesus gave us a parable, the rich man and Lazarus, to show that there is something beyond this life. I know King Charles talked about his mother's death and that the angels ushered her into the presence of God. I believe that was true. Because of everything I've known about her. But think of it this way. The person next door or a friend that you're close with, you may play cards, whatever it is, our desire should be to show them the love of Christ so that they don't experience eternal separation. And I know that there's some lost people that laugh about uh, going to hell, and it's not funny. They don't know what they're playing with. They don't know the reality. But I can tell you from my years of pastoring, to watch a saved person cross the finish line, I've seen too much. I know too much about that. And actually... Because I know about that, we go boldly into the unknown because we know the unknown will be known. When we see God face to face, it'll be awesome. Robert Mounts writes this, Sinners earn what they receive. By obeying the impulses of sin, they are storing up the reward for sinning. I, I love this statement. This is excellent. Their severance check is death eternal separation from God who alone is life. Let me get us all this week to change our perspective on the lost world. There's not one person, including myself, that should ever wish anybody to spend eternity separated from God. I, I, Kathy Griffin I don't know if you know that name. She needs Jesus. I said that this week when people were saying all kinds of things. Thousands of responses to that. I put, she needs Jesus. Even the most vile offender needs Jesus. 
And so, yes, while we may be repulsed at their actions and what they do and how vile they are, at the end of the day when the dust settles, our heart should be that they know Jesus Christ. So think of one person that you absolutely, well, have trouble with. Pray for that person. Pray that they come to know Christ before it's too late. People spending time separated from God is not, repeat, not a laughing matter. Spend time with lost people this week. You know what happens with us, and when I mean us, what happens with us is that we like to congregate with other believers. Right? We do that a lot. Do you know where Jesus spent a lot of his time? Jesus spent a lot of his time with tax collectors, sinners, harlots, people that needed his message. I'm not saying it's wrong to spend time with others, Christians, that's good. But some of our time has to be spent living in the world where in which they are lost and dying. And I think we should get out of our comfort zone a little bit. I'm not saying get in with sinners and send with them and act up. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is be an influence in their life. Be a change maker. Be an influence in a lost person's life. Love them. Just like you would love a believer. Love them because they need to know the love of Christ. And I'm, I'm with you. I like hanging out with other believers. We have so much in common. But I want to be out there and, and look at where lostness is and try to pierce the darkness with the power of the Holy Spirit. So, again, I think it's okay to forge a friendship with an unsaved person. I think it's vital, actually. So that's one choice. This is not a very good choice. I've met very few. I did meet one woman one time in my first full-time church in Ohio. The daughter was extremely concerned about his mother because she had stage four cancer. I went to visit her. I knocked on the door and instinctively there was a sense of the presence of Satan. She went to get me some tea. She leaned over the table and she looked at me and she pointed and she said, I don't want to hear any of that Jesus stuff. Two days later, she was found. That was one of the most uncomfortable, and it sticks out in my mind because it was one of the most uncomfortable visits where I just sensed, sitting at that table across from her, I sensed the presence of Satan. And I went back and told the daughter, I said, I, I tried. She would not listen to me. She didn't. She even made the point of telling me, and I, I toned the language down on it for you guys and gals, but she put her finger, it, she leaned over the table 
and put her finger out at me. Stage four cancer. Facing eternal separation. I, that, I was a young pastor then. That rattled me. That somebody can be that obstinate. And I've had some others. Not as obstinate. But that one, I was like, wow. And I honored her request. I did not bring up Christ. Because I don't know what she would have done. Now the good news, the good news, is people do have a choice. There's spiritual death and then there's spiritual life. I'm actually surprised I haven't coughed once. I was coughing all morning until I got here. Thank you, Lord. For the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift, harisma, to give graciously. To give something that is not earned. We all like getting gifts, right? Uh, usually birthdays, Christmas, special events. Uh, and people will give us gifts. And we like to get those. That is what salvation is. It is a gift. It is given. I did not earn the gifts. Maybe based on a relationship with the person. But I didn't do anything uh, on my end to to get a gift the person that gave me the gift gave it to me because they loved me or they 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 thought this that I would like this and so they would give a gift and we do this all the time with Christmas Easter holidays birthdays we all give gifts but this is to give something God says I'm going to give you a free gift something that you did not earn but that is given graciously what is the free gift? What is the free gift? The free gift was this. The free gift was that God said, Son, I want you to go down and I want you to pay for the sins of the world and those who will come to you will be totally forgiven. That is the free gift. The free gift is the cross in which Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. Think of it this way. For the wrath of God was poured out on Christ. Think of that for a moment. Paul writes it eloquently. The wrath of of God is poured out on Christ his only son who never sinned ever Christ went to the cross to pay the wages of eternal separation and he died on that cross God had to watch his son physically die on that cross that was the biggest gift of all. Was that Christ did, and when Christ was born, he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He took that sinless life and he went to the cross and in his dying word said, it is finished. And Christ died. 
He paid for sin once and for all. You can only be saved as many times as Christ died. Christ died once, you can only be saved once. Paul writes in Galatians, if you could be saved many times over, you are constantly putting Christ back up on the cross and crucifying him all over again to his shame. You can't do that. So when God did this, he said, son, go give the people payment for their sin, pay for it in full, and he did. That is the gift. What a gift. How much can we give above that? It's amazing. It's amazing. Christ paying for my wages of sin. It's like when believers get saved. God says, okay, this is where you were you really receive death and eternal separation. But now that I've trusted in Christ, over here God says it is done. It is wiped out. You are now in a relationship with him. That is black and white. That is black and white. There is no middle road here. You are either on one side of the fence or the other. There is no middle ground. There is no purgatory. People are either lost or they're saved. And praise be to God that everybody in this room that is called on Jesus Christ, you are saved. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And then he gives us eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. On one end, death and separation, that's no good. On this end, the free gift graciously given by God through Jesus Christ on the cross given and then from that point on eternal life and I've been by many deathbeds where the person has at the last minute changed their mind and decided to trust in Christ those were amazing moments One family looked at me and said, what does this mean? And I said, it means your loved one is with Christ. It's an amazing thing. I've been so blessed as a pastor. I have. I've been so blessed to be there at those moments that are critical. And then I like to complain about stuff. Uh, amazing yes pastors have a hard life but God ordained me for those moments this really opened my eyes going through this about how precious life is and we have an opportunity to be there for people and to love them Kenneth Boa and Crudenire write in their commentary we have earned death as our wages as Adam's children we have received as God's gift the grace the privilege of being rescued from the solidarity with the first Adam to solidarity with the second Adam Christ he died write this down 
He died, we died. He was raised, we're raised. He lives to God, we live to God. He will live forever, and we will live forever with him. That's the good news this morning. Brothers and sisters, when you go out this week, love lost people. They're acting lost because they are lost. They can't act any other way. And therefore, when we come on the scene, we represent the King of Kings, the one who gives eternal life, and we reflect that to them and say, look how much better life could be. We all do it. We all get guilty of it. Pointing fingers. Please go out this week. Love people. Develop a relationship with a lost person. Love them the way that Christ loved you. And your whole motivation and desire